Graphic Nature acknowledges the Bunwurrung people of the Kulin Nation, the traditional custodians of the land on which we record the show and pay our respects to Elders past, present and future. We also extend that respect to other Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who may be listening to this podcast. Due to the graphic nature of this program, listener discretion is advised. Fighting for what's right, for justice, that's what a hero does. It is my opinion, without any reasonable doubt and without any reservation, that comic books are an important contributing factor in many cases of juvenile delinquency. Comic books are pure evil. Satan himself condemns our children to the fiery depths of hell. How a particular tale can come to life in the mind of a reader is endlessly fascinating to me. We have found that all comic books have a very bad effect on teaching the youngest children the proper reading techniques. This balloon print pattern prevents them. I am not a villain. I am a victim. A victim of a society that tortured me. Vengeance will be mine. It'll be mine. Welcome to Graphic Nature, a podcast exploring the inspiring world of comic books, the culture that supports it, the creators, publishers, and people behind the printed pages and digital screens pushing the medium on into the future in Australia and the world. I'm Zoran Ilyevsky. On this episode, we're joined by Ryan K. Lindsay, comics creator to uh, to the world. It would seem now, mate. You're doing uh, you're doing quite a lot. <laughs> welcome, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, man. It's uh, it's lovely to be on, and uh, I, I hope my stuff is read right across the world. Uh, it's 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 oftentimes available. I only hope it's landing in hands and hearts all across the place. Well, well, I must say, just even looking at some of the stuff you've done lately, because it just seems like you're putting out more and more work over the over the last couple of years, at least. Um, well, every time I'm, yeah. I've searched. Every time I've searched your name, it's like a new thing comes up, or it's a uh, Ryan K. Lindsay, another comic book. Uh, it's like Jesus Christ, the, man. The, the illusion of progress. I love it. Yeah, it feels. I I swear to God, I never know. I never know how to take it because, like, I feel insanely stagnant on this day today, right? Even though I I went for a walk with my wife earlier, and she was discussing. Um, you know, we're talking about the, the the coming year, and I was like, all right, well, I got this graphic novel coming up, and I got this one that's sitting with the artist. Um, and I've already got a series that I've written that'll start coming out uh, monthly in Feb. And she's like, so you got a bit going on. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. I just, I feel like I want something else. Yet if I rewind 10 years, I'd kill for anything to be coming out. And I can remember when like my first issues started landing, how amazing they felt. And so every now and then I need to sort of like get that vibe back to just be like, it's not about more, 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 but it's about really appreciating like each one in its own time so yeah, right. yeah it's a funny it's a funny way to sort of like balance it all in your head and i i do not do a very good job of it i don't think who does though i mean you know well that's what you wonder you always assume others do which is so stupid and i know it's stupid <laughs> um and, and you can't go off other people's highlight reels and they don't often show you their uh their swing and a miss that's yeah, yeah. You, you always sort of think they're fine and then you, you talk to enough people and they're like oh no I'm looking for that next thing or I want something else or, you know, this doesn't feel like enough. And so, you know, it's all about, it's all about personal metrics of success and, and realigning them and being, being realistic and honest with yourself about them and going, all right, what am I really, you know, what am I really passionate about and what's happening? And am I, am I moving forward with some of that? And so every now and then I managed to sort of calm myself down and go, yeah, you know what, this is going all right. And mm -hmm. I'm having fun. I think that's what it comes down to at the end, doesn't it? It's, it's, it's a matter of, 
uh, for me, personal metrics is is are you enjoying it? Are you having fun doing it? If it seems like a chore, then should you really be doing it? Yeah, I mean, I think about I teach I teach full time, so all of my comics at the moment is happening most days from about four till six a.m. and no one's. Uh, no one should be getting up at that hour for something that's a grind. You know, you should be getting up because there's, you know, passion bouncing me out of bed before the sun gets up and, and I'm kind of jazzed to get in there and do what I'm doing. So yeah, I, I always sort of think, you know, that's, that's where I'm at at the moment. And of course we always want like the next payday or the next green light or whatever, but also, you know, if stuff's getting done. You, you got to be happy that stuff's getting done. Sometimes. Yeah. And it's something in that last comment, uh, last statement you made when you say you work full time, as a, as a teacher like that leads me to believe that there is no money in comics <laughs> and uh... <laughs> <laughs> true correct there there definitely is not uh like full-time money of, of of like you know carrying and leading a family in comics at least not at my uh skill level of comics but there is i will say decent money in comics mm. uh, yeah assuming you're in the right that's right yeah you got to be you've got to be on a good i mean it, I, I doubt Tom Taylor is uh, teaching a full 100% workload at a local school, and nor does he need to because his writing is bloody phenomenal. Now he's making so, that comics um, money. You know, it's all it's all that balance. That's exactly it. And so I, I sort of look at it as like, well, you know, the the day job definitely earns more, but um, I also love my day job. So yeah, I think there's a there's a there's a balance to be found there. I, I've been teaching nearly 20 years now. And it's a job that I'm still like deeply passionate about, and I still continue to throw myself challenges and curveballs that make sure that I'm never phoning it in there. So it's not something that I'm sort of doing to a low standard. Uh, the one thing that I did do was I'd been I'd been assistant principal for for, for quite a while. Holy in, shit! Sort of different capacities, and I I ended up stepping out of that sort of upper executive role back to just purely classroom teacher so that I'd still have the, the, the brain capacity to, you know, write. It used to be I'd write till like midnight and now I do the morning shift, but um but so that I could do that and still do the classroom really well and not feel like I was stretched too thin. So yeah, it's all just shifts and balances, I think. I suppose being a writer too would I would you know, is it is it the case that being a writer of comics, let's say, for instance, would allow you a lot more flexibility in terms of your life? I mean, you know, you look, you look, you know, I look yeah. at it, um, when, whenever I've interviewed um, a crew that, that you know, write and draw their own comics and they're always talking about how yeah. laborious the drawing part is, the planning, the drawing and mm. all this other kind of stuff. And, you know, and, and although, you know, anyone with, you know, who's thought a little bit about comics understands the difference between or the, the time difference between writing and drawing um, is immense. Yeah, oh, completely. I think there's I think there's sort of like swings and roundabouts on that one. I think ultimately the, the illustrator has like the longer job and the harder job to get a, a page done, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. like I can script that. I can, so I've written comic scripts on my phone. I can do them in transit. Some artists are pretty good at that. They got the iPad pro and they can sort of, you know, do a bit on the move, but yeah, that's even still, I think like there's less flexibility to the way that they can do that. Mm -hmm. But I will always take umbrage with the fact that artists can listen to podcasts and watch TV shows <laughs> while they're sitting there thinking. And I cannot do that while I write a script. I can't, I can't have anything going on while I'm writing a script. So you know, I, that's it's about the only perk they probably get. But damn, it seems like a good one. So uh, <laughs> I wish I could catch up on more TV. Whenever talking to a particularly independent crew, uh, when they're when they're working on their stuff, mm. I imagine it's it's quite tough having to work. 
you know, it, it's all good and well to to sit there and go, well, you can watch TV while you're inking and, and you can uh, listen to that podcast yeah. while you're while you're while you're um, drawing out your layouts. But the the financial aspect of not not actually, you know, you're not working. You're you're creating something, a passion project, and it's not necessarily yeah. going to you know turn into money at that you know in in yeah. shape or form at some point. That's a bit of a that's a bit of a drawback as as far as I'm concerned. Oh, hugely. You'd you'd really really think so. And I mean, that's that's the funny thing about comics is that well, you you could be me and in ten years time still not have you know a full time wage out of it. But when you're starting out, it really is one of those things where you're trying to weigh up how much are you doing for passion, how much are you doing as like craft to learn, how much are you doing for exposure, how much are you doing getting fleeced for it, and how much you're holding on to to try to get paid and they're really hard decisions to make as to like what you're going to hold on to and what you're going to go oh look i'm going to go i'm going to give this one up and put it out there on the hopes that it'll lead to something else like it's a bit of a bit of a crapshoot you can make that decision for yourself asking other people to do it for free is is always like a a, a trickier yeah. proposition and yeah. a bit harder to outsource it with regards to getting into comics and and how it all kind of happened, let's. How about we just start from the start and and was it, were you always a reader? Like, did you love comics as a kid, or is it something that you moved into later on in life? No, no, huge, huge um, reader as a kid. My my oldest brother's ten years older than me, and he was a huge Marvel zombie, so we always had a ton <laughs> of stuff around the house. And yeah, we we. I just I, I for as long as I can remember reading, I can remember reading comics and and throughout primary school started with marvel and bounced around some of the old like donald duck uncle uncle scrooge stuff and then mm. eventually found my way to the old ec horror sci-fi crime right books. right and that was really where i like i felt i felt deep those, those are my books like those are like the, i was hunting them down in old comic stores and news agents at the time and getting the reprints and um yeah, just always loved the comic form, read a lot of asterisks in, in school. And so, and, and it really continued. There was only a gap there where I sort of fell out of comics, basically based on money. You know, you go to, you go to university, you really got a budget. <laughs> yeah. And so I'd sort of dropped out. And then when I started teaching, same brother bought me the first volume of uh, Walking Dead. And All right. it just got me straight back, straight back into the horse. And so I was on the eBay and I, I'd set up a pull list at a, at a store and, I mean that's yeah, as I said, nearly twenty years ago. So I've been uh, really like li- lifelong with a with a short stint of let's call it let's call it studying at uni. Let's go ahead and use that word. Because it was a similar thing for me. I got I was a huge comic devourer as a, as a young adult, and yeah. then some personal things got in the way, and I dropped it. And it was almost it's almost like this. Um, and and I've talked to a lot of people, and the same a similar kind of thing happens. There's a around mm. that early adulthood, you kind of kind of step away from it. And it's almost like that, what's that, the, the Amish, the gap year that the Amish take? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, you go and see what the what the rest of the world is like before you come back to comics. Yeah. What was the transition between that, you know, the reading The Walking Dead and I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to try my hand at doing this. Yeah, yeah. Because it's funny, it's, um, it's probably a few years later because I've always known, like, I wanted to be a storyteller. Mm-hmm. I, at a very young age, called it in uh, miss s's art class i was like look i'm gonna grow up and write write novels and be a teacher and i was pretty damn close on that wow. i was pretty close on that one so, i'd say you, you hit um, you I pretty always, much hit the mark <laughs> yeah I, th- I think for an eight-year-old making that call is i've really pointed <laughs> to the to the out rope and gave it a swing <laughs> and so like storytelling has always been a big part 
of my life. It's it's I, I loved writing stories like throughout high school and stuff like that. Entered some little short story things through there, even through university. I think and 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 I think that we we don't value verbal storytelling as as a form of it as much. But I love going to the pub and having a yarn. There's nothing better than like telling like a nice chewy like 10 minute story where you're setting the scene and you're going through it like that's that's good stuff like i love that stuff and Mm. so i've always sort of had story in my life and so then once i got settled into teaching i was like all right i i I think i've got some space i'm going to try my hand at some writing and so initially like wrote short stories and and looked into writing novels and stuff like that but being a young bloke one it was just learning the job the craft of it really i see a lot of that as practice certainly wasn't polished and uh, another part of it was, well, you can, you, all you need is a Word document, really. Yeah. So uh, when I bought my first laptop with my first tax return, I could do that. I couldn't fund comics. And so then once I started, you know, reading some more comics, I was like, I really like, I, I love structure with comics. I, I always talk about like comic page being sort of like a, a sonnet in like iambic pentameter. It's like this mm-hmm. thing that has certain constraints, but yep. you can flow in certain ways around it. Like there's there's ways to break it, there's ways to be creative, but it is ultimately you have this amount of space and you have panels and you have to like think about tiers on the page and you have to think about all like the, the closure that happens with the, with the gutters and the way you're going to control time and the way you're going to control movement, the way you're even going to have like almost like three acts within a page, no less like let's say 22 pages in an issue and you know four to six issues in an arc and all this sort of stuff. It's all like, it's all placing things together. It's this big Jenga puzzle of, yeah. of story. Yeah. And so I love that concept when I read every, like it's apparent in every page of the comic in a way that you don't get with novels. And so I love that part. It's like, this is how I want to tell stories. I yeah. very quickly sort of knew that that was where I was headed. And so it was probably a few years after teaching and getting back into Walking Dead that I hit up Justin Greenwood who is an amazing artist. He ended up taking over art on Stumptown, which turned oh, wow. into a great show with uh, Kobe Smolders. And he's done a few things at Image. And he's a really good mate. We'd put a, a pitch together. Didn't end up going anywhere, but uh, led to me having you know a really good mate for the next sort of 15 years. And so I put that together and I put a bit of money into it and was like, oh, this is like, you know, this is fun beyond anything else. Like I'm, I'm setting up a synopsis and putting a pitch package together and breaking down the story into issues. And we're doing character designs. And we do, I think, five pages of the pitch. And that was that was enough. That was enough excitement for me to go, yeah, I'm I'm into this. This mm-hmm. is cool. And it probably still took me another three, four years after that before I self-published my first issue. And in that time, I spent my time writing and writing and writing. I I, I probably wrote about sixty issues of script. Wow. Um, in that time, that have never really seen the light of day. And so that were different, like, like different um, different stories. Oh yeah, completely. Right. Yeah, I'd I'd write like. Uh, I, I wrote the full four-issue mini or five-issue mini that uh, Justin and I pitched. I wrote like um, I wrote like a Daredevil graphic novel script mm-hmm. just because it got my ass in the seat. Like I <laughs> yeah. love Daredevil, and and so anything that's going to get you down and get you writing, I'm like all for. I yeah. think fanfic is the coolest thing in the world because it makes people sit down and do something mm-hmm. that I think is the coolest, which is write and be creative. And so I wrote that. It was like an old man. It was like an old man Matt Murdock story. Yep before like old man logan, logan existed. Yeah, yeah. like it was just like and it, it's it's absolute rubbish but i look back on it <laughs> very fondly can can um, i ask just quickly before you like continue the... before you continue can i just ask yeah I, I don't know if this is um showing you know showing the trick behind or pulling the curtain on the trick or whatever the fuck it is whatever that oh uh, yeah yeah you know what i'm saying how many of the concepts and not necessarily the stories but how many of the concepts in yeah. that in that 60 odd issues of comics 
have you been able to draw upon now? Oh, and get across to the finish line somewhere else. And not, not necessarily, not necessarily like that concept and like the way you envisioned it back then, but going, oh, yeah. I remember that. I remember that, you know, that's something I could retool now and like strip mine, like yeah. a character or a yeah, MacGuffin yeah, yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah. I, I really think like nothing. Oh shit. If I go through it. Yeah. I reckon all of it is, is completely like, yeah. In, in a lead trunk, welded shot. I buried it for <laughs> safety reasons. Fair enough. I don't want it to pollute anything else. <laughs> um, and there's some cool stuff. There's some cool stuff that I love. Like that first thing we put together was about like a super villain. So you can tell how much a rookie I was. I thought I'd do a creator own superhero. Of course. Book. Like, Yep. It never works. <laughs> but it's about like a supervillain that gets like amnesia. And I was like, that'd be cool. And so we explore like this. Well, if he's a new person, is he really evil anymore? Or mm-hmm. is that worth the gamble? That's so a great idea. In there, but I've, I've not gone. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was fun. And Justin's Ardner was so cool. But it was a bit, it was a bit, you know, a, a analogous of other stuff. And, you know, Garth Ennis and Derek Robertson can get away with that. And the boys, uh, they're, they're pretty shrewd cats. They know how to do analogies of like you know dc and marvel mine was probably a little more on the nose but it was a fun central concept of this like you know what what is evil is it you or your actions it doesn't sound um, like a superhero book to me at all though like and that's why i i i, th- I like just hearing yeah, about you it going, can totally repurpose it yeah yeah it's it sounds like a fucking great idea you, it might work yeah because yeah. and you don't even have well, to you, you never know when 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 stuff like that is i guess going to come back but as, as i think of it i'm like oh, i wanted to do like a an almost hydra style like supervillain organization type comic very much in the vein of robert kirkman and phil hester doing the irredeemable ant-man but just basically but the opposite yeah. side um and did it as a creator and thing i don't think i've grabbed anything out of that but there's some really cool like sci-fi spy-fi type ideas in there and mm-hmm. there's i know there's a lot of like tech and structure in there that i wouldn't mind possibly getting to there's really only like one idea from back then that i'm really still I get it out every few years and sort of kick it around and go, does this have, does this have what I need to sort of, sort of tell a story? And it's one of those like high concept things where I completely, I ended up writing it as a novel actually at the time and, and, and wrote the whole thing. And it's, it's not good enough basically, but I still like that concept, but a lot of it, I don't know. I seem to like, I, I jumped to new ideas through my, like I can remember when I finally got an in at dark horse mm-hmm. and they were like, Oh, do you want to, do you want to throw some pictures our way? I didn't grab anything out of the old trunk. Right. I was like, all right, here are these like five ideas that I'm loving right now. And they picked one and that became negative. Space. Is, is that something, so is I that a, to sort of move forward? Is that a compulsive thing for you? Uh, constantly going to a new wellspring every time to keep that, yeah. to keep that skill alive rather than, you know, yeah. keeping that on the side and then going, oh, I'm going to, I'm just going to grab uh, this, you know, number 49 from the bank and I'm going to yeah. pitch this uh, rather yeah. than... Let's see if they want this one. Yeah, pretty much. Like, I think, I always think like my, you know, I'm getting better, hopefully. Yeah. And so I think I, I, I get a bit of cringe if I look at some old ideas, but I also have, and this is a terrible habit, I have a habit of anything I'm looking at in the rear view, I start to dislike. Right. And that comes to like, even like some of the, the stuff I've published I'll, I'll instinctively like glance back at it and be like, oh man, that wasn't good enough. But if I ever actually stop and get it off my shelf and flick through it, I'm like, oh no, that was like, like Headspace was the first mini series that I did. I'm still, it completely holds up for me. But if, if it's like a snap, like instinctual thought, like, oh, I remember Headspace. I'll be like, oh, I was rubbish back then. <laughs> and I have to like, I have to beat that out of me. Be like, yeah. you, you know what? It got published. It got it got a great artist. It got great reviews. You know, we've got a bit of multimedia interest in it. 
um, which doesn't hurt uh, the old coffers either. So like, it can't, it, it can't be that bad. Yeah. But my instinct is to say, nah, that thing you did a year ago is rubbish, <laughs> which is no good when you when you're pitching a story and it takes a while to like get rejections. After nine months, of get knocked back at enough places. My brain is like, well, it's rubbish. Like, yeah, right. Of course it is. And, and and that sort of propels me forward. There is one old pitch. It's not old enough that it was like back in those. I wasn't writing it alongside my Daredevil fanfic, um, but it is an older pitch from um, probably four, four or five years ago that I had circulated everywhere and it got a lot of interest, but not a, uh, no uptake, obviously. And it's one that I still do kind of think has legs. Well, that, but that's that's yeah, I guess that, never say never. yes, and that's kind of what I find interesting is you, you hear, I, you know, I, over the years that I've been reading and been involved and even reporting on comics, you know, some people are saying you know they've been working on this particular comic for 10, 15 years, yeah, and that always used to kind of boggle my mind. But when you think about particularly yeah. some of the guys that are in that upper upper region of the industry, you know, they've got so much work, yeah. and it's kind of like, well, this is my passion project, but this is what I do for jam. And here's this thing that yeah. I really want to get done, but I just don't have the time. And so, you know, in, they have a chat here. Two years later, they have a chat there. <laughs> and then just yeah. it, it ends up coming to fruition, but at the expense of everything else that people have to do, not only, you know, not only professionally, but yeah. also personally, their life can get in the way and stuff like that. But but I'm, I'm interested, That's like, it. when you say, you know, you don't tend to look at any of that abundant wellspring that's continually churning out new ideas – like surely some yeah. of that can be retrofitted. When I've heard of pitch, when I've heard horror stories of pitch um, meetings, and they, yeah. you know, you go in with this fully fledged idea, and they go, "Yeah, what else have you got?" <laughs> yeah, that's that's a real stitch up. That's a, that's how I felt after I finished the DC um, writers workshop that mm-hmm. I was a part of in I want to say 2016. They were like, "All right, let's let's like throw out some some ideas. What do you like?" I had a, I had to sit down with them in Seattle. And they're like, "Well, what do you want to do?" And I was just kind of like. Oh, like I don't have like twenty story ideas lined up in my back pocket. Like, and I, I just never seem to work that way. Mm-hmm. And and that was proven by I still have yet to publish a page with DC. But <laughs> you don't count the Vertigo short story that I did. Yeah. But it was one of those things where there's some people you chat to and they're just like, oh man, if I was like if I had the Flash, I'd do this really cool story where it was this. And oh, let me get my hands on Swamp Thing because I got this big like thing that I want to do with them. And oh, yeah, I suppose if you do in Superman, you do this. And I'm just like, oh man, like. My brain, like, and this is me admitting, like, deep, deep fault. My brain doesn't work that way. Right. Like, I really, like, I genuinely look at some some of the people in the industry that get an in there at Marvel or at DC, and they get their hands on those toys, and they're like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, because it is a very, I think it's a specific skill. And I'm sure it's one that can be learned, mm-hmm. and I don't think it's one that I'd, I certainly was able to learn in, in enough time. But it is interesting that, yeah, how much you have to come up with, because for me like i won't even pitch a story unless i've written like a full synopsis and i know the story works whereas i know some people just pitch uh paragraph high concepts and they're just like well i'll I'll figure it out if they want it that just that gives me the sweats i'm like (laughs) well what if they tell me all right let's do this story and i can't make it good enough and i've spoken with enough people who work at dc and marvel that that always say the worst part of the job there is, you got a deadline. And when that script's due, you hand it in. And if it's rubbish, well, you just handed in a rubbish script, but it was due. And they know within themselves, if they had another week, they could make it better. If they had another two weeks, they could make it great. But they don't have that opportunity. Whereas for me, I'm like, no, no, no. This is all like, as far as I'm concerned, this is all passion project. It's not the day job. I'm going to work on this for as many weeks as it takes to make it, you know, 
as as great as I think I have the capability to do, I don't ever want to bone in something. I might make something that doesn't land. Mm. And I might make something that people don't like, and that's fine. But they'd have to know that I put everything. Yeah, into I, that that that, that is that is a different that is a completely different distinction between just handing in a script that's a bit shit. Uh, yeah. I, I agree with you. I, I think I don't know how I don't know how I feel like as a reader. I remember there was uh, I can't remember if it was between Bendis and Brubaker, but the but there was a two issue or a four issue uh, arc on, on in Daredevil, uh, or maybe it was before before Bendis uh, Bendis's run, but it was a, a story within Daredevil of Matt Murdock defending or prosecuting Daredevil. The concept blew my mind. I was like, if they nail this, it's going to be fucking fantastic, yeah. and they didn't. It was. It just it just crumbled. Yeah. The last issue sucked. Yeah. You know, where they were moving to, it was like, oh, this this might be this might be spectacular. And in the end, it was just a it was like a there was there was no substance in that twist in that end. And it just, you know, it was sucked. But it would it didn't matter because it was succeeded by, you know, yeah. like I said, the, yeah, yeah. The, you know, the Brubaker run, I think yeah. it was. I'm pretty sure that's how it ran. And, you know, and you, it was subsequently forgotten. But it was a shame, you know. That's always a shame when I when I read something that's got this amazing concept, and then it just doesn't land. Whether and it doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be, you know, the majors. It can be some of the mid tier or even independent stuff. Where it's just yeah. you're reading, you're enjoying it so much, it just doesn't stick the landing. Yeah, and you know, no one sets out to go like, oh, I'm just going to give this script sixty percent. But it's just <laughs> yeah, it'll yeah. come down to time or something. And yeah, I don't know. That's one of the things that just like. I, I do look back on all my work and genuinely know that I, I like put everything into all of it. There's never been something where I was like, no, whatever. I'm just going to send this script off to an artist. Like I really labor over as much of everything that I do as possible. Cause I just, yeah, I really, really want it to, to be something where I'm like, not only is it, you know, maybe going to bring in some money, but I'm going to be really proud of it. And I'm going to want to send it to people and I'm going to yeah. want to stand at conventions and hand sell it. And I'm going to want to see it on shelves. Yeah. And I'm going to be excited. I'm not going to be nervous when somebody picks it up and be like, Oh, maybe don't read that one. It's pretty stinky. <laughs> like I want to know, like, Oh no, I'm pretty sure when I did that. And as much as I like have that rear view of like, Oh, I'm pretty sure that that last one was pretty bad. Mm-hmm really what i'm saying is like it's that's more self-deprecating more like i i suck and so i try to find that distance between myself and the work as much as is possible Mm -hmm. because yeah i i i I look back at so many of the different things that i've done and sort of go oh yeah that was really cool that we got to do that and it's really cool that you know we we did this part in it or we we got this page to flow this way or we hit this story beat so yeah it's kind of like i don't have shelves and shelves of content but the shelf i have uh, it excites me a great deal. That's amazing. That 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 is um that's very heartening to hear, man. That's that's a, a great way to look at it because yeah, anybody yeah, can right. anyone can pump out fucking anything, but at the end of the day, if it's not if it's not good, particularly if they're not proud of it, well, what's the point? Yeah. With with deadlines and 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 your and you looking at making sure that the content is of a quality that you can be proud of, uh, do, is that a stipulation that you have? Let's say you're talking with with a, a publisher, for instance. Do you work that yeah. into the idea of hey, if you're going to publish this, you're going to you're going to need to give me time to make sure I get it right, or is it a kind of thing where you just you just work at it uh, with that deadline? Yeah, no, I've actually been pretty lucky with nearly all the publishers I've worked with. We haven't been too deadline-driven. Mm-hmm. Black Mask have always been really supportive in 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 letting us build up a, a, a bit of a bank before we launch, and, and the artists that I work with, people like Sammy Cavella, 
and, and Eric Zavadsky will get ahead on stuff before before we launch things out. Comics Tribe are another one that are really phenomenal to work with in that they're, they're, they're all about the product. They're all about us, the creators being able to create, which yeah. I really love. Dark Horse is probably the, the most structured I ever worked with. Yeah. But even then, they were really big on, hey, if you need more time, tell us before you're late that was just that that was their <laughs> fair situation. enough don't run a week over and then go oh can you give me another week they're like don't do that see it a week beforehand know within yourself you're not going to hit the deadline say hey can i have another week beyond deadline so you've got two weeks ahead of you and they were like we'll just say yes but then we'll know and we're yeah. not going to chase you and they were so great about that and so and because it was the only thing i was writing i just took a season i remember i took like three months to to write the four issues and just really focus on it and work with the editor that I did, Daniel Shabon, who's uh, amazing to work with. So that it, it was never like a rushed mm-hmm. deadline, which was, yeah, like a, I was totally happy to work in, in that sort of situation. Black Mask is, a, is the, the stuff that they're printing is, is pretty amazing. And they have like from the start, I've enjoyed it almost. Yeah, everything. so many of their titles I just absolutely yeah, love. Yeah. And have really thoroughly enjoyed working with Matt Pozzolo there. He's he's always given me a lot of creative freedom. And so to be able to do Beautiful Canvas and the Eternal Graphic Novel, which was just awesome, like to do, like to, to be a part of that project just felt so enriching on so many levels. And then, you know, with uh Everfrost, it's been it's been a really fun three project streak to um just do stuff that I'm really passionately in love mm. with there. And, and to be amongst their lineup of yeah, some phenomenal titles. That must be it, it. Must be a pretty amazing thing to have have gone from Headspace to what you're doing now, and, and even like the, the DC project or the you know the writers thing that you did that you mentioned earlier. Yeah, it's been when I think about it over because I guess I self published my first thing, Fatherhood, in 2013, early 2013. So it's years then of actually getting content mm-hmm. out there, and in that time, yeah, I sort of. I, you know, inherently feel like a failure. But then when I actually line it up, I go, oh, hey, like, you know, I got a, I got, I, I've worked with IDW and Dark Horse and, and, and Black Mask. And I had a short story in a Vertigo anthology. And I've managed to run like a bunch of Kickstarters that have been successful. Worked with all these artists that are great friends. I've had hardcovers. I sort of look at it all and go, it's actually pretty nifty. Like, mm. that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a really fun side hustle to have and and most importantly when i look at it i'm like oh i've created like all of these like different characters that i still really love like shane garrity in in headspace is a character i so deeply love and like doing um lon Isley and then van louise with sammy uh, in our two books at black mask it's two really rich leading characters that just their stories are done for me but i just like will never forget them and so like being able to get that stuff and bring it to life is 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 really wild i have to sort of sit back sometimes and go you know what there's like there's a ton of people that that are wanting to get their first comic made that are waiting for like that feeling and that's what i was a decade ago yeah, i was yeah. wanting to get something out there and want to get things made and i'm like you know what i gotta like look at what i've got on the shelf and sort of go this is this is pretty fun and it's really creatively enriching and you know i've got some artwork from the artists that i've worked with and from even like projects that we've done together on the walls in my office and my kids will come in and 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 i'll see them just like looking at the walls and looking at the art and as kids do asking the same question Mm -hmm. for the 20th time for the answer (laughs) that they already know but they kind of just like it and they're like this is the page from eternal that eric drew right and i'm like yeah yeah this is the one page i got from eternal because look at how we broke down like three seasons across three tiers and we have like this sword that like flows through the panels but it's all about the weather it's all about like 
life moves on, which is kind of like a, a theme in the book. Mm-hmm. And slowly watching my children's eyes glaze over, <laughs> saying, all right, dad's talking about themes again. Hey, way to love your own work, pops. Um, but yeah, having that, like, they know the names of some of these characters and they haven't read this stuff yet, but there's like, there's an element of like intrigue to them. And I like, I forget that sometimes because you, you do, you think of like generations above you as this, like these mystical people with mm-hmm. these like arcane totems, whether it's like a mug that they always drank from or whether it's a book collection that they coveted or whether it's like a chair that they made. There's these things that they put into your world that are like totemic and mean something. And I feel like I've got a bit of that from like, I, I keep, I keep two of everything that I do so that each of my kids can have uh, the full Ryan K. Lindsay library, which I'm sure <laughs> they will find uh, 50 bucks for on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't sell yourself short. I'm, I'm sure that the sentimental value would far outweigh any, any monetary value they would have in the, in the future. Unless of course you end up getting some of that DC or Marvel money at some point in the future. Well, that's a, that'll go to skyrocket. What I need is I need a sweet little like Marvel side gig, and then I just need to die young, and uh, this stuff will just like skyrocket. It'll live, live so, on forever. But, no, it's the... <laughs> but that like that's what that's what I think in the end because you know I get a bit caught up as as I think people do being like oh I need the next you know I need the next paycheck because that's going to fund the next comic or you know oh am I going to break into Marvel or DC sort of thing. And then I, I I look at like the she hardcover that we put together, and it's this just beautiful thing, and I go this is pretty cool. Like this is, you know, my kid comes in and looks at it and looks at the cover and you can like put your hand through it. It's like got this die cut opening on the mask and, and they're just sort of like soaking it up. And I just think, Oh man, even like, I, they, like my kids are pretty avid readers. So I dare say at one stage they'll read my stuff and, and give me a hearty critique. But at the moment, most of it's pretty off, like uh, out of bounds for them. Yeah, so yeah. and and they know that but it'll be interesting it's interesting that it just sort of sits and waits for them and it's not just like oh i, I wrote some stuff and it's on my computer it's like these real living yeah things that that are beyond me and are collaborations and they, you know they've met some of the artists that i've worked with some of the the good aussies that i've worked with at, at local shows and they, they just sort of every now and then i just catch a glimpse of them going oh dad has this like life where he creates like stories and worlds. And I then try to go, yeah, you know what? I'm not just like trying to like test the editors and, 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 and get into publishers. I'm making worlds and characters. And like, that's, that's really, really uh, like, I don't know. It's like, it's like climbing a mountain. It's like a really big thing. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's something that I can't just sort of like, I didn't just fob these stories off into the world. I really worked with, you know, international teams to make something that we felt truly meant something and was truly, beautiful so yeah i don't know it's it sounds sounds really lofty but i, I don't think so at all I, I, stuff I write, but it's I, I think it's a it's a it's a marvelous perspective to have because i think for the most part it's it's really easy to to look at let's say the the comics industry or even just any stories or any writer in particular and and think that and, yeah. and think that it's oh it's all this you know lofty shit but at the, at the end of the day that's what they're doing they're creating worlds they're creating yeah. they're they're using the imagination to further spur on this other dimension you know for for someone whom who may well not 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 be able to but you're you're opening people's eyes mentally yeah there are stories that i remember as a kid that people yeah. you know i look at reviews now and everyone's like that was so shit but it was the one it was that was the thing mm. that blew my yeah. mind and create and created the space for me to look at other things yeah i try and i i, I genuinely try to write a story that eventually i can look at it and go oh yeah this is 
This is like a story that matters. And it sort of has to matter for me to write. Like I, I like, as, as I said, I've written like, you know, dozens and scores of scripts and, and a handful of novels. And I've, I've, you know, talked to them all because they didn't quite get across the line. And I'm always happy to pull that pin. Mm-hmm. But I remember writing um, Negative Space with Dark Horse with Owen Gianni as my artistic co-creator. And, you know, it's a book that opens with with this this guy, this writer sitting down to write a suicide note and he gets writer's block, <laughs> which is, you know, terrible timing and all. But <laughs> it's it's ultimately a story about like the you know, the darkness within us and how it is either reflected or absorbed in, in the world that is positioned around us. And, and it was a story that I really wanted to, to tell with, with, with care and consideration and in a way that's, and, and I, and I, I telegraphed this from the start as loud as I could. It was not about curing this guy's depression because mm-hmm. I think that that's a really shitty thing that stories do where they're just yeah. like, you know what? we got this guy that's really sad. Are you invested? Cool. He's going to go on a rad adventure. He's going to make out some people. And he's going to shoot a gun and then he's going to be happy. <laughs> yeah. He's not going to feel bad anymore. And I'm like, no, that is a horrible, like that is the worst possible thing you can tell somebody reading that story. And so we go on this totally different path. And so to have, and I did at the time, more than any other thing I've really ever written, I had so many people reach out to me to be like, you know, you really nailed the, 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 the balance of bringing depression and suicidal ideation on, in, into a story and you made it matter and it wasn't a plot hook and it wasn't a set dressing. It was a character journey and it was a theme and it was like, it was a big thing. And they're like, oh, you know, I really want to say thank you. And I was like, that's, phenomenal to be able to create something mm. that does that and to be able to chat to people like when i when i'm at a comic convention i i you know you're selling your stuff from the table and you go with the big sell you're like no this guy's got to write a suicide nobody's got writer's block uh-huh. and everybody sort of like has this like really grim chuckle and i'm like that's okay you can have a grim chuckle because <laughs> you have to for this book yeah but it's selling that theme of it where people are like cool i'm in and i find that with lots of my books i'm like it's about this like hit woman which is beautiful canvas who's contracted to kill a small child and 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 people are like oh that's like that's an interesting hook and i'm like yeah. but really it's about like who are we are we are we who we are or are we what we do are we our profession or are we uh, like us as a human mm-hmm. are we creators are we destroyers yeah. and can you change what you do can you go from hit hit woman to parent or can you be both and so it's all about this like fractured dichotomy that we have as people because yep. we're producers and we're consumers and we're environmentalists, but we're in a capitalist society. Like there's so many variables within our lives that are so deeply contradictory that, you know, every time you tweet about any social issue from your iPhone, you are blowing it if you really think about it. And yet I own an iPhone because you not throw up your hands. What are you going to do? But you have to be able to think about, well, I can do what I can. I yeah. can do my small steps. Yeah. And so putting that into stories and being a bit more realistic. And so I think that's why I like this weird genre fare that I write, whether it's like twisted sci-fi crime or, or anything else of this, that's kind of gonzo. I'm very rarely dealing with necessarily like gigantic uh, general Zod is going to blow up the earth issues. Cause I just don't <laughs> think that's in me. I think I want to talk about like the character that at the end of the story kind of took three steps back by the end of it, but they also turned left. So they're facing the right direction. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's maybe a win because I think that that's more realistic. I don't know. I always cite like Philip K. Dick as one of my huge influences. And it's because he tells these insanely intergalactic stories about like a janitor. And yeah. you're like, oh, cool, we're going to follow this dude who's having marriage problems, which was, <laughs> yeah. was Philip K. Dick every, like, four years having marriage problems. 
and it's like all right we got this like we got this world and we got this like he's great at like building like all of these like different biomes and who are we going to focus on a galactic pot healer and i'm like what the hell is that and he always makes it this insular story and i always love that because at the end of the story they're never really resolving anything they're just sort of saying you know what it's it's about like it's about the small steps that we take it's about the small choices uh, I'm, that's I'm, all you yeah, get. You yeah. don't get huge ones. No, no, you don't. And and I, I've I've found Philip K. Dick's um, writing pretty spectacular. I, I was uh, I found a, a an English version of the his French biography, or his biography, but written by a French by a French writer. Oh yeah. Uh, and um, it was that was super fascinating because I couldn't find anything that was actually you know it was an English translation, but I I don't yeah. know if I've found an English biography of Philip K. Dick. Yeah, and um, the his, yeah, I've got I've life. got one called the last interview that was like his last interview and other interviews, but I don't think I've got a bio on him. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'm I'll jealous. I think I've got it somewhere here. I might dig it up and I'll see if I can get to find find the title for you. But it's um, reading yeah. reading about his life was fucking out of just mm. the, you know he, he was he was amazing that the, the stuff that he came up with, and when you when you hear yeah. about his troubled. You know, well, he's troubled um, adolescence, and you know, being a kid, and, and all the stuff that he dealt with, and and even throughout his life, it was it was just it's a remarkable yeah. story, his story mm. in particular, and all his yeah. issues with um, hallucinations and stuff like that, and, and medication. Uh, it's it's pretty far out, it's pretty far out. Um, I, I will see if I can dig out. And you see that he put it into his writing, like <laughs> yeah. I. I always say, like writing is therapy, and it's at least one form of. And it's so true. Like you just you put a bit of yourself into every story mm. and it's usually you like chewing things over yeah and it's really awesome when you can get to the end of a story and be like oh i think i see what i was writing now and you didn't realize it at the time you sort mm. of even thought you were on another track and then you kind of have a reappraisal and sort of go oh i see like a bigger theme at play here that stuff's really fun and i think that if you can do that especially over time you can sort of almost chart like an authorial journey through works and i think philip k dick definitely did that through his work Mm -hmm. of like where they're at and where they're going and how things are going and i'd love to sort of like think that that's in my work in the way that characters and endings and and different concepts are are sort of handled and 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 because of my sort of limited ish output it does mean that when i focus on something and i'm not worried about the deadline i really am just trying to like craft this like story that matters and so it matters to me and it matters to me in that moment and whatever matters to me in that moment is based on my values and so it's all sort of like this this big outpouring of something yep. into a story yep, yep, yep. and while you're also doing like cool action scenes or set pieces or you're creating different sci-fi stuff you're also trying to like figure something out and 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 it's almost like play acting your values or your worries on a page to be like what would this what would this look like or what would this feel like like one of the first comic short stories i finished was this this short story where a um like a there's this this guy in outer space and he's in like a really small little spacecraft and he like pulls into this abandoned i sort of uh, imagine it as like this sort of like satellite mall mm-hmm. and he gets in there and he's got his little baby in his the baby spacesuit and he cracks the baby's uh, helmet open and is like feeding him or whatever. And the baby starts to cry. And he's like, shh, you got to be quiet. You got to be quiet. And this baby keeps crying. And he's like, if you're not quiet, they're going to come. They're going to get us. And the baby's, you know, being a baby, yeah. it's just going to keep crying. And so then eventually we see what's coming for them. And it's these creepy alien creatures. And they descend upon the satellite more. And we see them go into this like sort of empty diner where they sort of were. 
and we can see that the crying is like from behind the 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 booth bar or whatever and the aliens come over and as they look down there's the baby crying and the dad's gone and the story's called survivor and it's all about like you know if he took the baby with him they were just going to follow the noise and he had to make a call in the end and i wrote that like when my own son was like in his first year because i remember like being the inn at night trying to settle him and this this dude man my little dude like i swear he was allergic to sleep i was up more than i was down at night it was it was horrendous and so i'd be in there all bleary-eyed and my my brain has this fun thing where if i think one thought it fractals out into like literally like 20 to 30 options all at the same time and all in sometimes very far threads it's it's horrible and so I remember thinking, what would I do if there was a home invasion? And instantly my brain was just like, you'd kung fu them. You'd lock the door and call the cops. Yeah. You'd run into the bedroom so that you could be with your wife. And one of them was like, well, you try to hide, but if he's crying still, you're going to be found and you're going to just have to jump out the window. And that very threat, I was like, why would that even be in my head to be one of 30 <laughs> options? I was like, this is terrible. I'm a horrible person. And so I sort of got it out on the page and was just like, oh, well, it's out now. That was a pretty cool story because yeah. most people who read it are just like, why, Ryan? What is wrong with you? And I'm like, nothing's wrong. I got it out. It's on the page now. I'm fine. I swear. I'm but a normal is, human. It, it is um, a good idea. And, and, and like you say, most stories are, are just reflections of of ideas, of, of things that, that could yeah. could happen. And, and uh, it's amazing that your mind works that way. Yeah, it's something like it's... It means that every possible worry and fear I have can be actioned in a second, but also every possible exciting outcome is like fighting out on the other side of it. But this could happen, but this could happen, but this could happen. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Oh, those could be pretty cool. And in the end, you just sort of go, all right, what is going to happen? Uh, all right, what is happening? Oh, there is no home invasion. Let's not stress it. <laughs> then you move forward. Okay, I'm glad you, I'm glad you went there because my next question was like, how's your anxiety with that t- type of thought pattern? But sometimes pretty high, I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Like it's, it's, it's a lot going on at all times and you're just sort of like, which is funny because I have a really blank exterior and it usually just settles into a frown. Mm-hmm. And so people are always like, you're pretty chill. You're always pretty calm, like in work meetings and stuff. And I'm like, man, no, I'm like the duck. Those feet are underwater, just like, just burning. Like, no, there's always, always something going on. And they're like, oh, you always just look calm and slightly pissed off. And I'm like, no, I can do that. That's, that's probably better than you knowing the truth of what's going on yeah. in there. <laughs> me just constantly just like fireworks going, what if this happens? What if this happens? And you're like, oh, man exhausting creatively <laughs> really fun because yeah. then i sit down with a notebook and i'm like what would happen at this plot point and i come up with all these ideas and i'm like all right three of these are okay and i explore them and eventually i'm like no nah, two of them are rubbish i'm gonna go with this one and then i like yeah my stories are like these really weird like almost like family trees like weeping willows i was you, you, the one way they come out i don't know if you're reading my mind but what you were talking about pretty much reminded me of an exercise i did in art class 20 years ago and uh they sat us down and they, oh, yeah. they were talking about lateral thinking and essentially, yeah. the, 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 the family tree thing you just described is exactly what they were talking about. Yeah. And my, I think, I, from what I remember, is you had a, a lot of the class just struggling, struggling to, yeah. to, you know, you get one thought and then what comes from that thought? And then you get, it said, pick three yeah. things. And then from those three things, pick another three things. And uh, yeah. I reckon within, within uh, five minutes, I had gone on to like second or third page and there were other people on my same table yeah. that were only like, you know, they were still doing a half page. And, and yeah. my, my issue and, and still to this day is I can have a thousand ideas, but I don't know where to stop. Yeah. So, so what, yeah, that's what, the feel like yeah. just, 
Yeah, that's right. It just keeps companies going, well, can do that, can do that, can do that, can do that. Yeah. How's, how, did, how do you discern where to stop or, or where to go, well, that or that, or I'm going to go with this? Yeah, often it'll come, it'll come back to, it'll, especially with stories, it'll come back to character where eventually I have to go, well, what could happen? Yeah, these things. What, what does my character like need to do and why? Mm-hmm. And that often helps me sort of bring it back and be like, well, yeah, why, why, why would they walk outside in the middle of the night when there's this, you know, you know, creepy noise? I'm like, yeah, that doesn't actually make sense. All right. So now I have to limit their options based on the, the, the realism of what I've built this character to be. Mm-hmm. And so then that starts to shape, well, what are the possibilities? And anything can happen around them and that can be fun. And so then I sort of bring, I start to like bring in things like the, you know, plot structures and five act structures and yep. sort of lay those lenses over the top. And that helps me sort of bring it back and refine it a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I let it explode and expand a little bit. And then I sort of lay my mental lens over it and I trim the fat a little bit. And then I'm always going back. Why is my character doing this? Why would they do this? Yep. What's making them want to do this? And sort of like, you know, always looking at their goals and what's pushing them forward. And that'll often then start to cause a bit of like a true line for them moving forward but yeah then around them uh, eventually i i just sort of i i I'll, I'll try out a few options maybe this happens maybe this happens maybe this happens and then one of them just starts to excite me yeah, ultimately right. that's like where i stop i just go all right yeah this is going to lead to this and eventually my brain will do something nice and so the sort of go this all is going to come back to something at the start or it's <laughs> yeah, going to yeah. matter to the theme and i go yes all right this is going to work and it's going to make sense for everybody involved. And it's going to be fun and exciting. And I know how I want to tell it. But yeah, it means that there's a lot of dead pages in my notebooks. Yeah, where I'm right. just like, oh, and then this will happen, this will happen, this will happen. And all right. And then we get to the end. And I look at it and I'm like, then we get to the end, but I don't care. <laughs> oh, God. So I have to work out where do I go back and prune that branch ah, to right. get it to grow yep, yep, better. Yep. So I'm like, do I, do I cut right back to like the inciting moment or do I just cut back like one act? And so I have to like constantly try and find which is why i'm so slow to get new ideas ready to pitch because it's like all right i have to like tend to this like bonsai that i've constructed and know that it works and then go all right now this is the one where like it it feels like it's satisfying at the end for both uh protagonist and antagonist that it makes sense um that it's like logically sound that it's fun that it's exciting that it's not cliche at mm-hmm. the end that like you're not going to see it coming so i've sort of got to tick all of these like boxes within my head so it's a lot of like trial and error and i always still wish that like over time i just get better at just like finding that one line yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) still still definitely haven't but it's funny when you said like that whole lateral thinking thing i'll find often like and this is this has been like forever but my wife will be like what you thinking about which is like the you know the 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 time tested yep question between couples (laughs) because normally one of us is sitting there silently and for a long while there, I just started giving her honest answers and being like, I was actually just thinking of like ginger beer. She's like, why? And I'm like, well, I was thinking of ginger beer because of this. Why were you thinking of that? Well, it's because of this. And it's normally like 20 tangents. And she's like, oh, okay. So, you know, one of the kids walked past with a basketball and now you're sitting there really thinking about ginger beer. And that time you had one in like 2004. And she's like, I think she's just stopped asking to be honest. She's like, I don't want to have to step into whatever your brain is anymore. I'm like, yeah. yeah, no, it's fair call. Or I just start being like, oh, nothing. But that's <laughs> it's. I, I've 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 reverted to that because nowadays, what what typically happens is my <laughs> mouth doesn't move as fast as my brain, and so because because my brain is. Uh, well, in in respects, well, in the confines of my head, so fucking quick that it doesn't matter what yeah. I try to say, I just can't explain anything. And and according to my wife, I'm a really bad storyteller. 
And that's why, <laughs> that's why rather than making comics, I actually interview people about comics. But, uh, oh, nice. but yeah, so I, I'm not the best at telling stories and I, I keep interrupting my story with tangents upon tangents upon tangents. Yeah. And so it's, uh, it's pretty yeah. difficult and it, and it makes, it makes editing this podcast really fucking hard. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Cause it's it, it, invariably I'm, I'm editing myself because the guests always know what they're talking about. You're listening to Graphic Nature. We'll return right after this short message. Hi, hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe to Graphic Nature on whatever podcast service you use. Uh, maybe even rate it while you're there. Uh, it'd be great if you could throw us some likes and or follows on Facebook, Instagram and uh, Twitter as well. For more info, check out the website, graphicnature.media. I appreciate you listening. Uh, thanks again and enjoy the rest of the episode. With uh, with regard to to shaping and crafting stories, you, you've said now a couple of times, you know, five acts and and breaking down stories in acts. Um, I, I understand, and I suppose some listeners might understand, uh, you know, the th- three story arc, and then you break those three arcs into smaller arcs in terms of movie scripting. Um, how does it work for yeah. you? Like you say, five acts. How what? How do you understand um, the the breakdown of comics in terms of writing? Let's say acts. Uh, in, are you talking? Are you separating the acts in terms of issue numbers, or is it within the book itself? Yeah, no, totally. I the, the way I always think about it is because I, I tend to write a lot of like four issue stuff. That mm-hmm. seems to be a sweet spot of like where my brain sits and 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 you know what I can afford usually for a project and all those sorts of things. And I always think about it as the first two acts fitting into the first issue. And so that way we don't just have like the setup and the, like the inciting incident, Mm -hmm. but we also have like the hook and the character choice. And so rather than, I always, I always think of uh, Bendis and Malieve when they did Moon Knight and they were like, all right, we're going to do this thing where, where Moon Knight is, you know, he's got the like different sort of personalities in his head. And this time we're going to do it and it's going to be Spider-Man, Cap and Wolvie. Yep. And everyone's like, this is going to be rad. And I remember being like, you know, post Daredevil, I was like, I love this team. And I love Moon Knight. And they're doing something different, which is like anytime somebody swings through the bleachers, I'm like, I'm loving it. Yep. And I still remember people picked up the first issue and it's like you're following Moon Knight and he's being all cryptic and he's talking to these people in his head and you don't meet them. And then at the end of the first issue, this mammoth reveal is the three people in his head are Spider-Man, Captain America, Wolverine. And everybody was like, boo, we already knew that for three months. This was in the PR constantly. And like Ben just came out and was like, yeah, but like we have to do the PR, but this is how you tell a story. And people were just like, we don't care. This run's going to suck. Like, you know speaking internet and so i was like yeah that kind of blows but also like yeah you could have done like you could have done that and then had like the next step which is the character choice to take the call to action or whatever yeah but instead it was like this big reveal that was revealing nothing because everybody knew it (laughs) except for you know people who just go to the comic shop and buy stuff which i'm sure is like a decent percentage really healthy balanced individuals because they're not on the internet constantly <laughs> and so yeah i try to think of that with my stories where i'm like i've you i've normally got like a hook but with negative space it'd be really crummy if i wrote the first issue where it was like we're gonna meet this guy we're gonna fall in love with him he's a writer life's a bit tough he knows this guy is a barista he kind of has a crush on him but we don't know what's going on yet oh i think he's sad he's gonna sit down to write a suicide note and then at the end of the issue he's like oh nuts i got writer's block well come back next month and so i didn't do that in the slightest i was like page one he's sitting there with his writer's block let's see what happens next and so i always try to fit a bunch of that into my first issue because 
you know, I'm, 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 I'm not Benderson Malieve. People are not going to come back next month just on my name. Yeah. And so I need to really draw them in. And so I really want them to have some junky stuff to get through in the first issue. So I always think about establishing things, setting up a bit of a hook, but then also propelling the character into the story, giving them a moment of choice where they have to engage and show a bit of agency and step forward into the story. And that's normally, so at the end of the first issue of Negative Space, he eventually goes to visit the barista and when he walks in, he sees the barista is there with some other people and they have this like alien draped out on this table that's dead. And it's like, oh, what's he going to do in this situation? Is he going to run or is he going to engage? That's like, that's meaty character stuff. With um, Beautiful Canvas, uh, Lon Isley is contracted to kill um, a kid, this like seven-year-old kid. And so within our, within our pitch pages, our first seven pages, she goes to the house, decides not to kill him, grabs him, takes him on the run. Now, that could have been the end of a first issue. And I think some people would argue maybe it should be because I think sometimes I get a bit of flack for putting too much into a first issue, mm -hmm. but be damned if it doesn't like give you so much that you need in a first issue to know that not only does she take that kid and not kill him and th thus defy her boss, but then also at the end of that issue, after they get into a car wreck because a group of other weird anthropomorphized funky um, hit people try to kill her and take the kid, we discover that this kid has pyrokinetic powers and she's there with now this ticking time bomb of a kid. And then we're like, well, now what are you going to do? Yeah. And so that's, for me, a much stronger end to the first issue rather than kind of like slowly paddling around. I always think, you know, making Creator own book, i got to give an audience every reason to try us and then to come back after that. So, yeah, I always think about Act 1 and 2 fitting into that first issue. And often I'll try to make the first issue a little bit longer. So with Everfrost, I think it was 20 six or 28 pages mm -hmm. was our first issue right. beautiful canvas i think was 24 um and so yeah normally i kind of like jump straight into things and and there's merits and not doing that there's merits of really having like tone and like building location i i i, I, I agree your way through a narrative i agree with you there my my issue is, is is what i found and even and you see now a lot of it in television is there's this real big there's for a lot, for the longest time, and and in certain circumstances, still is around now, where everything is slowed down, and to me, yeah, I find it disrespectful to the audience. Uh, it's it's one thing to have one 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 scene that kind of sprawls and sets the sets the scene, but to continually go through, you know, slowing slowing the pace down. I have a big problem with, particularly of late. It didn't, never used to bother me, but now I think it's, it's, yeah. um, it's like you are now sucking my time. I, I, I want, yeah. I want everything. Don't, don't treat me like an idiot. I want to see everything in there, and that's why I thought shows like The, the Good Place. I'm not sure if you've seen it. Um, oh yeah, I love that show. That oh. second, the first episode of the second season, or was it the midway point through the first season where they keep resetting? And the the, oh, yeah. the amount of plot that they go through yeah. in that one episode could have yeah. sustained them for another ten years. And, yeah. And and I look yeah, at it. They and, had no interest in padding it out. Yeah. And 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 that's and that's what I'm talking about. It's the padding that really annoys me. And and you see it nowadays where they've a lot of shows have started cutting a lot of the fat away from productions because now you get the ten yeah. episodes and the full story. And it's spectacular. And you go, that's what I want. 
Yeah. You know, so I have no problem yeah. with the moving things along and, and packing stuff in because mm. I'd much rather that than, you know, looking at a, a book that has, you know, no exposition whatsoever. And it's just, it's, don't get me wrong, like there are fantastic artists out there, but I don't want to look yeah. at a sketchbook. I, you know, I want, unless those panels can serve the serve the overall narrative, I just think it's a waste mm. of time and energy. Yeah, I think you really got to draw them in because, yeah, I was, I, you, you made me think just then. I watched the first episode of Squid Game in that first episode, which was, I think, I think it's the longest one in the season. You meet the character and you follow him along and then he meets this like guy in a train station and the guy like gives him a card and is like, you should, you should give us a call. They could have ended the first episode then and I'm <laughs> sure people would have kept watching. And, and they, they probably, you know, there's, there's an alternate reality where that's definitely where they would have ended. But it, they don't. It's like the halfway point of this. And so eventually, like, I don't know, have you watched it? Yeah, I've seen all? the first episode only as well. Yeah, and so then, like, he, he, he does call them up. He ends up, like, you know, in, in the barracks or whatever where they're all waking up. They could have ended the first episode there where it's yeah. just like, oh, you've been, like, gassed and then you've woken up and you've got, like, a number on your, your shirt and you're in with all these people and they don't. And then they start the first game, which was the red light, green light. And you could have ended on, like, the first sort of shock death <laughs> yeah. in that and been like, whoa, you want to see how this game ends, come back. And they still don't end the episode. And I love that. You feel like you get this whole thing. Hmm. And they finished the game, that first the red light, green light game. And I got to the end of that and was like, oh, I really do want to watch more of this. But it was a really great thing where it was like too often they will, they will end, like, the first episode Moon Knight style where it's like, and now we're just getting to the tease that made you interested in the show mm -hmm. three months ago anyway. And I'm like, no, you need to capitalize on that interest and bring me to the next step. And yeah. then I'll keep coming back. So yeah. yeah, I think like the, the best stories sort of do that for me. And I don't, I don't want to let a reader slip by. And so uh, another thing that I get told a lot about my first issues is people are left with a lot of questions but good thing. that's a good thing that they want answers to yeah. and i'm like yeah well that's yeah i don't want to i don't want you getting to the end being like well that was gee all right like <laughs> there's there's no space for me in this industry for just gee that was all right so i want you to be like what the hell is going on tell me what's going on and then i'm in like it's it's one of the, the, the one of the things i tell students who are eight and students who are 18 when i'm talking about creative writing i was like give me something to start where i'm like whoa what's that what's that oh i'm hooked now i gotta know i gotta figure out you might tell me in in another 10 percent of story but you might hold it off until the end i'm there for it i i don't know I was, I, i'm a guy who still loves lost and i will to my dying breath and i think i loved it because it hooked me with all of these questions and yeah they didn't all have answers but i never saw that as a flaw yeah there's things in this world i still don't get or understand things in this world that have been explained to me and i still don't get or understand <laughs> and that's fine like as, as long as I care about the question and as long as most of the answers aren't too much of a cheat, I think your story can can work. And so yeah. I always sort of try to think about that. What are my readers like getting to the end? At the end of first issue of Negative Space, they're like, what the hell is this alien? All right. Hopefully they want to know more. At the end of Beautiful Canvas issue one, they're like, this kid's got fire coming out of his hands. Yeah, yeah. What the hell's going to happen? <laughs> I hope they come back for more. Like that's that's the plan. At the end of Everfrost, the first, the first issue – the, the van she, she finds a bunch of these like miniaturized clones of her son and she's like reunited with them and then she like kills them all at the end of the first issue and she's just like all right i need to go to where these came from and you're like oh she's gonna kill some more stuff all right yeah, yeah, yeah. this is a pretty broken person all right so that's what i want like people feeling 
you've mentioned quite a lot of your quite a lot of the uh, projects you've worked on, but there's one that you still haven't managed to talk about, and it's one of my favorite pieces of yours, and that's Dear Editor. Yeah, oh man, I love Dear Editor. I I forever want to get back to it. That's for sure. Uh, and I, 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 I guarantee I will at some stage. That much I could. Just- I hope yeah. to because I that that three issue series and and I got it fairly late like it'd been around for a couple of years before I even saw it and found it and I said oh, and to be honest full disclosure I didn't even know it was yours I saw it and went oh wow that looks cool yeah. and picked it up and nice. um, it was only after I read I think I think the second issue is when I started going oh who's yeah. this guy and then that's when I found out who you were but, yeah uh, um, awesome. But but it it still I still rate it as probably one of the best Australian comics I've read in a long time. It the, the character particularly yeah uh, you know is just it I've, I haven't read it I haven't reread it in a long time and um it's it's in a it's in a box somewhere but but I have very uh, fond they I, all yeah <laughs> but I have very fond no memories. I always kind of cite uh, Bucky which which some people really like as his name Bucky I cite Bucky as like one of my the absolute favorite character creations because he just still intrigues me and there's still so much i want to say like with and around him but that was pure just like creator own trying to get my stuff out there comic making i wrote the first issue on my phone um while walking up and down my neighborhood streets at midnight with my daughter strapped to my chest while she'd sleep um <laughs> like that's that's the level of insanity my brain cooks up and did it as like kind of like a one shot and put it on Kickstarter and it was so successful. And I think a huge element of that was Sammy Cavella's black and white art. The um, art was beautiful. Is just, Absolutely beautiful. Oh, man, he's, he's, he is so damn talented. And the fact that I've been able to create four, four miniseries with him over time mm-hmm. is just like the best. And so, yeah, like it, it went so well that I was like, Sammy, we got to like, we got to get back to the world. You want to do, you want to do like a, like a trilogy of, of like these little issues. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And so we like, uh, alongside um, Dan Hill, who is uh, a, a British guy who is like my editor of all creator own things. And it's just like the sharpest story dude ever. We just sort of worked out this cool plot that just goes from like gonzo to gonzo. And yeah, we had like the initial sort of like real estate crime noir drama that turns into like this weird vampire crime cult in the town. And it was so much, so much fun to do. I feel like, I, I feel like I want to get back to that book and that character because I just like, it was such a pure creative experience mm-hmm. and it was just such joy bringing it out and doing it through Kickstarter and just like, and it sells itself at shows like you, you take it on the road and it has forever been my highest seller. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. Like by, by a long shot, you've got some people that just walk up and are like, I'll have $5 of the antlers. I'm like, you <laughs> want me to tell you like, Nope, I'm good. And they wander off and I'm like, sweet, that's easy. And some people that just see like my banner has him and they're just like, who is this person? Yeah. I'm like Bucky. He's uh, the editor of a newspaper but he's also a deer so deer <laughs> editor five dollars on the table i'm like well that part was easy well i gotta tell that's exactly what happened to me i saw the cover and i just went this looks unreal um check it out yeah he just he's just a character <laughs> that looks intriguing we took that like robert redford from like all the president's men vibe and just threw like a deer head on there <laughs> and just had so much fun with it and but but still we're just like you know ultimately it's a story of like a, a journalist 
who not only, you know, believes he finds the truth, but believes he knows the truth and has to sort of go through this journey of understanding that he's not right necessarily, Mm -hmm. which is hard for someone to, to believe. And so to put that through this like weird, funky, vampiric crime noir lens was, was so cool. And I mean, the last one probably came out in 2015. God, it's been a long time. But Sammy and I still talk about it. And I was going to say, we still talk about it dearly. Oh, man, that would have been like, <laughs> and not intentional in the slightest. But, it, but uh, most years, Sammy will send me like, uh, like a birthday card or a Christmas card because he's an insane gentleman. And, and more often than not, he'll have like a little Bucky sketch in there or sometimes he'll send like a little A5 like sketch of yeah. Bucky. I have one in my office of Bucky sitting at a computer with like a, a, a Christmas present on there and Sammy had sent it to me as sketches of Christmas presents nice, and stuff nice. like that. Like it's, it's one of those things where I was just like, I'd like, you you know, we bonded as a team. I found at Woolies, there were these these coffee mugs that just had like the deer head with the antlers, like yeah. just the outline logo on there. And so I bought like a bunch of them and I sent one to Dan as the editor and one to Sammy and I was like, we all have deer editor mugs now. I still have mine. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, this is so much fun. Even my kids like, We'll be out, and they'll like like knock me, and they'll be like, "Antlers, there's a deer," and they're just like, "That's that's like my dad brand." They're like, "You love this stuff." We went to New Zealand, and we saw all these this deer over there, and one of them had like this funky wart growth on his head, and it was basically like it grows upon grows, and it was like obscuring his face like this weird wart emo fringe. And and my kids like, "You got to put this in a story." And I'm looking at this deer, and I'm like, "This is the most gnarly character I could ever hope to dream up." And so I'm like, "All right, I have my next deer editor villain." And this 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 funky looking thing. Well, maybe or maybe a sidekick. We'll see. So yeah, I was like, so so pumped to do that book, and it's one where I'd love to like figure out how to get back to it with Sammy and I have like ideas and I have a notebook and part of me is just like at some stage Sammy is going to have a gap in a schedule mm-hmm. which is really hard to find for somebody who's that talented and yep. keeps doing projects yep. but I'm going to find a gap and I'm going to say let's just kickstart like a like a small graphic novel or something. if that does happen please let me know because I will, I, oh, man, I, I, would, I would definitely put money down on that with you've mentioned uh, Sam Cavella quite a quite a few times now how how do you find the artists that you work for particularly for your independent projects. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. I feel like um, the, the best way for anyone to find an artist is to, first of all, invent a time machine. Um, and then you can go back to Twitter in like 2012 when it was fun and people would just hang out. And it was uh, it was not the beast that it is now. Because that was where like all my connections came through. Like, And just sort of being part of a bit of like a comic scene on there. I mean, I met Sammy Cavella through Ed Brisson. Right. Ed Brisson uh, yep. uh, introduced me to him and Sammy and I just hit it off and that would have been about 2012 and we just have not looked back. Like Eric Savatsky that I did uh, Headspace and Eternal with, I just like, we knew each other on Twitter. Mm-hmm. He sent me a DM one day and was just like, hey, I'd really like your tweets. We should do a story. Oh, and wow. I was like, man, that no one no one is saying that about my current Twitter input, that is for sure. <laughs> so um like just super random. Um Louis Louis Joyce and I, who lives just a few hours north of me, we actually met through Darren Close, who is right. the creator of Killaroo, yep. the Australian uh, icon of the comic scene. Um and him and uh, Louis and I did a short for a killer anthology like ten years ago. Mm-hmm. And just remained really good mates ever since. Yeah. And we did another short for Homebrew Vampire Bullets, which was a, a cool indie anthology. Um, we did this Harold Holt um, sci-fi story. Louis Joyce's art is like, 
like manna from heaven. He is he is a genius and so talented and constantly is like refining himself and improving himself. And so yeah, like we've been mates for like 10 years. And so yeah, I just sort of found a lot of these artists that I ended up working with, you know, almost like a decade ago. And we've just sort of like stuck together. Oh, and Gianni was another guy that I knew just through knowing people like Ed Brisson yep. and Curtis Weeb and a few uh, Canadian comic makers from yep. like a decade ago. And Owen did um, take this space with me and we've, you know, kept in touch because he's, he's an awesome guy. So yeah, it's, it's, it's funny how we sort of, you know, bump into people, but that's been the majority. Whereas some of the more recent artists I've worked with, I know I met Mitchell Collins, who's a Victorian artist. Yep. Um, we did Skyscraper together which was a newspaper size one shot kickstarter i met him because he came up to me at i want to say an oz comic con yep and showed me his portfolio and i was like damn this stuff's great like we should keep in touch and we did and then there was another show in canberra and he came back and had like new portfolio stuff and i was like blown away i'm like you you, you're amazing and so we ended up putting skyscraper together and Mm -hmm. but yeah he was just a guy i met at a show so yeah it's kind of random i feel like anytime i sit down and i'm like i'm on the hunt for an artist nothing happens (laughs) yeah right it's just like it's like it's like dating right you don't walk into the pub and be like who will i date tonight Mm -hmm. because that's just you're putting off the stank and no one wants it (laughs) and it's more just like you know you just you roll in and tell a yarn and and have some fun and you will you will attract the the life partners you need and the life partners you deserve. And mm-hmm. I feel like I've, I've luckily done that both in love and in, in comics. Fantastic. And so it's just one of those things where it's so nebulous that um, whenever somebody's like, where do I find a Sammy Cavella? I'm like, oh, dude, in, you find him in 2012. Yeah. So like, <laughs> I don't even know. Like, I don't know. Like, are the kids like finding each other on TikTok and making comics or something? Like, I, I've probably already aged myself where the kids, in quotes, are like, hey, Gramps, TikTok's not a thing. Like, I'm probably that far off the mark that, God, who knows? I don't even know what you're talking Sorry. about, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, I hear it on the news, but I don't know what it is. So let's, we're, we're going in the, we're, we've gone in the time machine, we've found our artist. How important is it having an editor for you? Like, in, in some instances, writers have said, no, it really kind of hampers yeah. their, the, the way that they work. But in in other cases, there have been writers who have said I could not continue without an editor. And so you, you mentioned Dan Hill earlier. Uh, what, what exactly mm. are the types of tools he would use to help you along with your, with your stories? Yeah. The thing I find with editors is like, it's super scary because you're, you're opening yourself up to being told you suck really early. But <laughs> yeah. every like great editor I've ever worked with has never said, Ryan, you suck. Even when I am indeed sucking. Because they're good at their job and they just sort of go, oh, okay, why is this happening? Or it looks like you're going for XYZ as like a bit of a theme in this issue. You reckon we could punch it up in this scene because it's 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 not coming through. And it's very rare that they will sort of be like, hey, page nine's a bit stinky. I rewrote it. Here's a new <laughs> script from page yeah, nine. Yeah, yeah. That's not... That's not quality editing. And so with Dan, I mean, we just know each other so well and we know each other's sensibilities. I remember I'd snuck in, a, I can't remember, I think it's in Everfrost, but it might be in something else. And like one of the characters is like says something and the other character is like, we have to go back is his response. And Dan's note on that line was just a um, lost gif of Jack 
saying it in Lost. And I was like, yep, you knew exactly like the tone and even the reference that I was going for. So he gets the layers of what I'm putting in there, mm-hmm. but he'll also call me out on stuff that's just not working. Right. And he's he's great at like leading me to the, the knowledge of when to kill your darlings yep. and when to go, all right, this scene isn't working. His character isn't working. So I, I like the, I mean, I love his his knowledge of how story works. I love his knowledge of how characters should arc through a story. Um, and I love his ability to get that across and be like, hey, this bit isn't isn't working. Like, why do why do you why do you think it's not popping? And just sort of like it's all question and dialogue um, and, and conversation based yep. between us. And I really like that. And it was the same with uh, Dan Shabon at Dark Horse. He was very much just like, all right, let's you know if we did it another way, like what way would we do it? And do you think that that might help? And and was never outright saying we're not doing this and was never outright saying this needs to happen, but has a way of mas- the best editors massage you to be more creative. Mm-hmm. Basically yeah. they find a way to prompt and swerve and tease and you come up with these better outcomes. Yeah. And I think that that's like a beautiful process. And, you know, I found the same with, with some of the artists that I work with. Eric Zavadsky is one, who like is such an insanely smart storyteller he really doesn't need a writer in the slightest mm-hmm. um which is why i've always felt really honored to work with him but he will have some of the greatest notes on on scripts that i've done i mean that was why with eternal i ended up crediting him as a co-storyteller as well as the artist yep. because he massaged the story with me and he broke it down and even when doing thumbnails was just like oh i'm gonna add two pages here to this sequence and here's how i'm going to map it out you're welcome to script over it but i just felt we needed this for pacing and i'm like yes sometimes it is a feeling thing so working with like him and and sammy will have great input on things is really cool but yeah ultimately it comes down to the editors sort of just having that honest response to the work yep. and then discussing it with you and it's it, it really is like a nerve-wracking i i always feel like I don't know if fear is the right word. Probably anxiety when I send the script off. Because <laughs> yeah. it, it is. You're just like, oh, golly, I hope you like me. I mean, I hope you like my work. Like, and we know there's no difference between those two things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you, you like waiting for it. And they never come back with, I hate you. <laughs> they always come back with, hey, let's work on yeah. this. And, I, and every time that happens, I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot how much I love this process. Yeah. It's just it's just jamming on story. And uh, like, how, how different is that process versus, versus uh, editing yourself? Yeah, look, I think there's there's an element of sometimes you just can't see, you know, the, the forest through the trees with yourself. Mm-hmm. And so you get a bit lost in it. And I think it's just that external clarity. Yeah. I mean, another really good editing tip is to, um, let's say, and I've done this a few times, sit your wife down or your partner or your housemate or whatever and explain your story to them and watch yourself fumble around to explain the shit that makes no sense <laughs> and you walk away going all right i guess i gotta fix that part because you know like oh it made sense to me when i was at my desk and i was up with my notebook but the moment you're trying to like like put it into words to somebody and they're kind of looking at you like wait why would why are they there yeah what what why would that when did when did this part happen and you're like oh god i've missed a step and so that's like again it's an external view coming in so self-editing can work and and I, I i trust myself to a degree to be able to do that but i think getting somebody else to go hey knock it off this bit this bit's missing a piece of the yeah, puzzle right, right right and the moment they say it and in your head you go yeah, yeah. i know it like 
you should have fixed it in the first place. But sometimes it's just, and I, I eventually have gotten to a point where I'm just like, oh, I could probably figure this script out in another two weeks and I could sit here and just like say, all right, there's a brick wall separating me from the end of this script mm-hmm. and I start smashing my face into it. Or I can say, hey, editor, do you reckon you can give me a boost and I could get there in three days right. instead of two weeks and I won't have a bloody mess of a face because mm-hmm. I ground it up against a brick wall. Yeah, so sometimes yeah. it's just about getting, like knowing, all right, I've got myself as far as I can. I need assistance yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and to be to be okay with that, which is really hard to, I, I don't know, I shouldn't say is really hard to do. I find it really hard to do. I want to be able to do it perfectly on my own because I should be able to. But to be able to figure out, oh, no, it's actually like part of the process is to just get somebody else to look over it with fresh eyes and to give yourself a break for a few days and just go, I'm not going to think about it obsessively mm-hmm. for a few days and I'm going to let this process happen is like, is, is almost like a big breakthrough to be able to like work that out. And you, you do, you realize, oh, they've asked this key question and I had the answer. I just needed it to be asked yeah, of right. me is, is, is kind of fun. And so, yeah. the, but how does that equate with like, you know, when, let's say for instance, you're working on a new project and, and you're looking for an editor or you're looking for assistance. I suppose in your case, it's a little different because you've already got your, you got your fingers in a few pies yeah. and you know a few people, but you know, when you were first starting out and you were looking for editors, you know, what's the difference between a good editor and a bad editor? How do you sift it through it? Yeah. I, the way Dan Hill and I met was I created a website called Thought Balloons the idea of it was each week I would pick a character and eventually we started picking like settings and MacGuffins and themes. But initially I would pick a character and I would write a one page script about that character. Didn't necessarily need to feature them, although it often would. And so I was like, all right, so it's going to be like a writing prompt and it's going to be weekly. Um, It's got constraints. It's one like comic page of script. And so I set about asking if anybody would be interested in joining me on this craft-based journey. When did you say this started? I'm pretty sure it was 2011. Um, It might have been 2010, actually. Damn. But in that that realm (laughs) of time. And so I was like, this is going to be so much fun and it's going to give me a reason to write and it's going to give me a reason to write different stuff. And and we're going to post it on a website. And so the idea would be we'll each post, whoever will join me will post like a script each day and then everybody who's a part of this troop we will give each other feedback on these scripts. And so I think we launched with seven of us, might have been six, but we had one person a day able to write a page of script. And it was just a bunch of random people I sort of knew from goofing about on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And so um, we did that. I did that every week for two years. So I ended up writing just over 100 pages of script. And we wrote daredevil and batman but we wrote buffy and and like maybe a hellboy in there we 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 just kept picking different different things Mm -hmm. and so each week i would have to and we'd give ourselves you know a week of prep and then there'd be a week of posting and so we were always like one week ahead and so one of us would pick a character and we took turns and it'd be like all right we're going to do aquaman this time and i'd have to sit there and go oh god what am i going to do for one page of aquaman and it didn't have to be a whole story we always had this idea it could you would say it's page one of a new story or you would say this is page 22 of the first issue of a new story so we're, we're getting to this end point right. or it's the final page of a story or or it's just a page and it's a it's a moment and so we'd always try to give it a bit of context but i would then spend a week going all right what do i want to do and i brainstorm some little aquaman ideas or some little batman ideas or some little electra ideas and then i go all right here's like an idea and here's like a, a scene and here's like a moment and that's going to be my page and so once i had that locked down i go all right how do i want to tell this and so I'd have to work out, is this going to be a nine panel grid? Is this going to be like a splash page, which is always kind of wild? Or is it going to be like 
four panels, each horizontal, or is it going to be four panels, each vertical? And I try to think of like, how to use the structure to tell the story. And I'd write my script up and then I'd post it. And the other six people would give their response. Oh, I really like your sense of pacing here. Or, oh, the dialogue felt a bit clunky or whatever like that. And we got that feedback from each other every week for two years. And wow. so I got that feedback 104 times and it really made me a better writer. Like, mm -hmm. and, and it was fun. And I was like writing to like a deadline, but you know, it's one page and every now and then I'd phone it in and just be like, you know what? The deadline hit and my, um, my booster gold page is not gold. It is rubbish. <laughs> so whatever. And I'd put it up there and I'd have to then see how is it rubbish? And you're people right. would just be like, Oh, you're like, you're like, you didn't build to an end or oh, it was a bit of a, like, there's no moment on this page where I actually think I would care about that panel. And you'd be like, oh yeah, that's kind of what it was missing. And so it was always this like structural thing. And Dan joined the crew, I think after a year, he was, he was like posting as like a, like a guest viewing the website. Mm -hmm. And so we, we touch base with him and we're like, we well, like what you're doing and you, you seem committed and you've been given feedback. Do you want to like join in for realsies which doesn't really mean anything because there's no money in this <laughs> nothing um but he was like yeah for sure and so then like uh, you know i'm given feedback on his scripts every week and and just a variety of genres you could go from like a horror hellboy script to like two weeks later you might be doing a slapstick j jonah jameson script yep. and and everything in between and it was so much fun and you would you'd push yourself because you know i'm a sort of crime noir head and I'm like, no, no, I've got to do something that's just like lighthearted. Let's see what happens. And you would just throw yourself into it for one page. And so I was giving feedback to Dan scripts and dude's the good writer. And he'd be giving feedback on mine and dude had good feedback. And so eventually I was like, oh, I'm putting together this thing. And I can't remember. It was probably Headspace, actually. I was like, I'm putting this Headspace thing together and I'd love your feedback on the scripts. And that was how it started. Him just being like, yep, these pages are constructed well. This page doesn't do this. And it was just using that thought balloons process but for sequential pages and so then after that i was like all right i'm putting a pitch together for chum i think it was i was like i'd love you to read through the story and, and tell me how it's working and then if you'd come on board and edit scripts that'd be cool and we were just mates like we're just dudes writing one page scripts on the internet for free for like an audience of like i don't know 50 people we're just doing it out of love and so yeah we've just sort of kept on and i've read like everything he's written and i've read all his scripts and i try to just be like a, a dude who gives feedback and not necessarily a, a, an editor because I don't think I have the same skill set as him. But that was sort of just how it came about. And on that site, there was like, by the end of the second year, there was probably 10 of us officially like posting every week. You know, I, you, you could pick, I could have picked any any of those people, I guess. But Dan was was one who, who seemed really committed he could hit, you know, quote unquote deadlines. He, yeah. he had the same sort of influences as me. We were writing in yeah, similar... Right sort of a vein if yep. not necessarily as a similar genre but we had a lot of those touchstones to, to, to the end where um with beautiful canvas him and i did this thing where we would we would do like a back matter essay and we would take something and we would discuss it and go backwards and forwards um i ended up doing like a, a booklet of these called the jam sessions mm -hmm. and dan and i if we just if we just sit down and say all right let's talk about Arnold schwarzenegger's the running man at the end of 3,000 words of, di of of going back and forth, we've both discovered something new about the work yeah. and we've both discovered something a bit better about ourselves. And I feel like that sort of relationship that you can have is so enriching that, yeah, I would never want to lose it. And so I, got, I just got lucky ultimately because I had a stupid idea over a decade ago of like, I should just try to write random single pages Never thinking, like, I didn't think anybody would join me, honestly, on the journey. And I, I didn't think anybody would read them. But we were doing pretty well for a while there. 
And I really credit that as like making me a better writer because you're constantly putting something out there. Like those 60 issues or so of scripts that I wrote before then, mm-hmm. most people haven't seen a lick of those. Yep. So there's safety in that. But putting something up on Thought Balloons each week was like, all right, well, let's see if it ends up in the furnace or not. And is, is you the, just wait to see. Is the, is the site still available? It's still definitely online, but it is not active anymore. It's a, it's a remarkable idea, to be honest. It, it is a fucking amazing idea to, to have that sort of... You know, it's it's much like a, just a comics meet where people just kind of swap shit, but you can do it on a grander scale and... It's, it's creative. Yeah. Oh, actually, I know where I stole the idea from. This was... So a year before that, there was a site called Comic Twat. Um, <laughs> sounds horrible to say, and anybody <laughs> auto-captioning is really going to get that one wrong. But it was Comics Twitter, T-W-R, and it was a bunch of artists that that would do the same thing. Oh, God, I'd totally forgotten that I ripped the idea off. Um, and they would pick a theme each week, and they would be like, all right, we're doing Captain Canuck, and then they would all do a pinup of Captain Canuck. And it was, I swear to God, it was Chris Somney and Mitch Gerrards, and I want to say Dan Panosian was on there. Um, Doc Shana was on there. It was all of these people who now are like Titans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Francesco Francovilla was on there. Um, but this was like that doesn't 08 surprise me. Eight or oh nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they were just pumping out these like pinups each week, and I, I think that site still exists as well. And it is a treasure trove of insanely good art. And so theirs was more, I, I think, less about critiquing and more just like celebrating yeah. and having a reason to get your art out there and when you're that good you're not after critiques you're after <laughs> you're, you're the audience you deserve yeah, yeah they did um whereas ours ours was always structured at uh we're just gonna like have this this rotating feedback uh, loop to make ourselves better the the idea i mean it's how else and how, what better way to to find pitfalls and and issues with your writing mm. than in that type of environment have you have you thought of publishing it as you know, like an example, I, and you know, here, you know, here's what not to do, kind of thing, or you know, just you're like, yeah, very much probably would be, yeah. No, there are there are some scripts that I still look back on really, really fondly, um, and there are some that I know I completely pooched. But I guess if I've got over a hundred to choose from, I could curate a decent amount. But that's what I mean, like you know, put, putting something together, obviously with you know, with everybody's uh, agreement. To, to put all those pages yeah. together with the notes in there somehow and yeah. and then using that for, for people who may be looking at, at writing or editing and just seeing how that process works and maybe making a buck for yourself too. Yeah, that could be an interesting. That would be like a rural Gumroad PDF sort of thing, yeah. Yeah, especially if it had the the, the feedback and the annotations because I remember like doing this at that time. It was just hard to find comic scripts back then, yeah. like – there are so many comic scripts available online now, but back then it really was difficult to see how, like I remember I had uh, an image of one of Brubaker's Daredevil scripts. It was like a page 16 from issue 115 or something random. I, yeah, whatever. And Michael Lark had like made some notes on it so that he could then draw it. And he'd obviously like posted it on a, on a Twitter or something like that. And I just took that and I printed it off and had it above my desk. One, because it's Brubaker's Daredevil, which is like the greatest superhero run of all time. Yeah. But also, too, it just reminded me, oh, yeah, this is how you like structure a script, which sounds stupid. But I was really just like, what the hell do these things look like? Yeah. Whereas yeah. now they're fairly common online. But that was another thing about doing Thought Balloons. We were just like, let's just practice the, the format and let's yep. just keep honing those. Because writing a comic script now is all just like it's, it's second nature to my brain as I type it. Whereas back then I was just like, that's another thing we can embed. So yeah, something like that would be interesting to do. I'd I'd, I'd really be showing my ass in it because some of it's pretty, <laughs> it's 
so but, it's pretty dicey. But some of it, I still go, <laughs> hey, you know what? That X Men script was all right. But, but that's what I mean. Yeah, like part so. of the process of seeing seeing where people have misstepped because it's much like what what you're hearing now. All this rhetoric about me- medical trials and and uh, you know pharmaceutical trials and stuff mm-hmm. like that is they never publish the shit that went wrong. And so you don't yeah. know what's you know you don't know where the where the learning gap is, and and how yeah. they figured everything out. And so much the same as in this instance where, you know, it's really helpful to see someone phone a script in and then have seven other people turn and go, no, that shit, that shit, that shit. You know, you need to yeah. fix that. Here's why. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And with all that said, uh, when when you are writing scripts, how do you uh, did, have you ever entertained the idea of thumbnailing or trying to figure it out or do you leave all that to the artist oh when i started writing i i kind of would just to see how much you could fit on a page Mm -hmm. because i really just didn't have the the skills to naturally do that i feel like now i really have a better mind for it and so i do less like thumbnailing necessarily but i really used to when i started writing i would print off my scripts to like edit them and i would thumbnail each of them in the corner just to see roughly how it would jenga together and it did it very quickly showed me i was writing too much right i was writing too much dialogue and often too many panels for what should be shown in them so it was a good learning experience whereas now my scripts oscillate between having no real visual direction of specificity where I'm not telling the artist what to do a lot at all. Mm -hmm. I'm just telling them what's happening and what's being felt to every now and then writing a page where I'll be like, Oh, I definitely think we should structure it in a specific way for a specific storytelling reason. Yeah. Right. I want a vertical panel because I want to show depth and height as a scope and scale. So every now and then I sort of will call for a shot and the artist well, every artist that I work with knows that explicitly that is a suggestion. So I yeah, don't right. write, hey, maybe they know it's all a maybe and that they're the smarter person in the room and that they will do what's best for the page. And every now and then what I wrote down was a good idea. And every now and then they're like, nah, I'm totally doing something else. And I'm like, agreed. I've looked at your thumbnail and you are 100% correct. <laughs> and I, I, I very rarely uh, go, no, 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 no. I said three panels. Like, no, nah, it's the... Artist knows best pretty much every single time and has borne out that way throughout every conversation. So you've never had to turn around and go, well, I just maybe, maybe just, maybe just do that a bit. No, I really can't think of a time where I've looked over thumbnails. That's great. And and in fact, the only times I've ever given a note that's similar to that is me saying, hey, I looked at the thumbnail for page 20 and in rereading my script, I realized I pooched it. (laughs) I should have written an extra thing. Um, we should probably have an extra panel in here so that it's clear or whatever. Right, so right. that's really the only times I can think about it. But whenever I've written, hey, here's a four-panel page, and they go, hey, here's a seven-panel page, I don't think I've ever said, no, nah, go back to the script champ. I think you'll see the truth there. Like <laughs> they, they know what looks good. They know what flows good. They know what balances good. I feel like I know a fair amount, sort of like enough to be dangerous to myself. But if I've got a reason, I'll call it. Mm-hmm. Like if it if it if it needs a visual to match the theme or something like that, but otherwise, uh, I I I make sure that the artist knows I'm not just being lazy, but I'm letting them have their fun. Nice, nice, uh, Ryan. It has been fantastic. I've got a thousand other questions, but I don't know if you've got time, and I don't think I've got time either. <laughs> it's 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 been unreal talking to you, mate, and and I, I wish you well, and I uh, hope uh, you smash out those uh, sixty comics. Uh, get some something happening. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll see. Uh, I'll see what's coming. I, I never seem to like. 
I'm always surprised at what 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 comes in the future, but with with lots of things. So um, hopefully it's all it's all good things coming up. But mate, thanks for the chat. It has been it has been nice to just uh, kick back and hang out, man. Oh, look, it's 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 been my pleasure. The pleasure truly has been mine, mate. Just picking your brain and and uh, talking about about how you've done things and what you're doing. And yeah, uh, it's it's unreal. We'll do it again sometime, man. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, maybe in person at some stage in the future. Uh, but but yeah, man. I, look, I, I've been watching your your career over the over the last few years, and it's it's been amazing. And yes, it's it's one thing for you to self deprecate and and to and to you know question you know what you do, but it, you are doing an amazing thing. And just just by virtue of this chat and and what we've what we've talked about, it it seems like it's not going to stop anytime soon. And that's a great thing, as far as I'm concerned. And I'm sure that a lot of other yeah, people will it. agree. And maybe one day you won't have to work full time uh, teaching, even though it is one of your passions. Uh, you might be able to just sit there and and make that comics money. Like uh, so many others. Yeah, have. who knows? <laughs> you never know. That's, that's sweet, sweet comics money. <laughs> I can't wait to go back to the powdered milk of my youth. Oh, it's going to be amazing. <laughs> well, I suppose all, all all you really need though is you know just uh, sell a property here or there to uh, to you know make some cash on the side. I'm I sure. can confirm, man. There's comics money, which is the stuff that jangles in your pockets, and then there's the other story money out there of adaptation. <laughs> Which uh, wafts in on 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 thread count checks, so uh, it is it is worlds apart. But yeah. um, yeah. I, I can only hope to continue to get the odd sniff at the the big box <laughs> and and balance it all out. That's for sure. Well, I think I think you know at least this way for the time being, it's keeping you honest and it's making you uh, it's it you know it's it's forcing you to create really really good genuine and um, interesting stories. Well, that's the plan. Yeah, that's uh, that's. It's about all I'm capable of at four in the morning, so uh, not much else. Comes I, I can't out believe you wake up that sure. early, man. Whew. It's uh, it's it's fun. It's invigorating. You feel like you've lived a day when you're on your way to work. It's, um, <laughs> it's, 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 yeah. it's a whole. I, I get up and I write, and then I exercise, and then I hang out with my wife and have a coffee, and then I go go to work, and I'm already like, man, I fit so much into this day already. This is great. But then at the end of the day, I'm absolutely completely exhausted yeah. we're ready to do it again so that's uh that's that's the fun of it all <laughs> all right well ryan thank you so much for joining us that's the end of this episode of graphic nature thanks for listening uh if you could please rate and review the show on whatever podcast service you use it'd be greatly appreciated if you have any thoughts regarding the show feel free to send an email to feedback at graphicnature.media. we're on twitter instagram and facebook and for more information about the show please visit graphic nature on the web by typing into your web browser or search engine, graphicnature.media. Remember to read the comics you enjoy and enjoy the comics you read. Thanks very much. Credits! Written, produced, and presented by Zoran Ilyevsky. Editing and audio production, Sean O'Reilly. Additional editing and audio production, Luke Dimsey, Zoran Ilyevsky. Audio consultation, Archie Cuthbertson, Dan Moore. Credits announcer, Simon Winkler. Theme character voices, Zoran Ilyevsky. Audio excerpts of Senate Subcommittee on Juvenile Delinquency, Wortham versus Gaines on Decency Standards, used courtesy of New York City Municipal Archives. You've been listening to Graphic Nature, the podcast.